This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Politics, politics program for August 12th, 2022. Your old pal Justin Robert Young joining you here in Austin, Texas. By the time you hear this, I will be in Las Vegas, Nevada at DEF CON en route to Cheyenne, Wyoming, where I will be next week to possibly witness the fall of House Cheney. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good time, but we got a lot to talk about between then and now. A breath of fresh air on the economic front, or is it? You may or may not have seen the headlines that inflation has leveled down to zero. I think that's a bit of a generous way to describe it. We will dis- we will go through it and actually describe it in a way that I think is a little bit more fair. Also, Iran tried to kill John Bolton. I'm going to repeat that. Iran tried to pay $300,000 for somebody to murder former uh, uh, national security advisor, John Bolton. I don't even know where to start with this one. Considering the fact that John Bolton's solution to almost everything is to murder somebody. Iran tried to murder John Bolton. We're going to get into the the revelation of that. And finally, there is a podcast that I love. It's great. It is an absolute shot of political nerd adrenaline into my arm every single week. It is from C-SPAN. It is called The Weekly. And its premise is very simple. A very delightful host picks and curates old clips through the history of C-SPAN and their fantastic archive search tool and puts it into a fun little podcast. It's like 30 minutes. It's, honestly, if you consider yourself a political nerd and you're listening to me, so you probably are, odds are high, you need to get it on your rotation. And. We're going to talk to the man behind it on this episode. Howard Mortman joins the program. All that. But first. The headline from Axios, inflation drops to zero in July due to falling gas prices. Headlines are hard to write. They serve a lot of different masters in our modern media world. You got to have something that is catchy, that's going to make people want to click, but you don't want to overrepresent, but you don't want to be too sweaty in in, in the clickbaity way. So let's pump the brakes and, and read exactly what is in this article. Consumer prices were unchanged in July 
as plunging prices for gasoline dragged the consumer price index down to zero. Core inflation, which exclude energy and food, rose only 0.3% below what analysts expected. This is because the Labor Department reported that overall consumer prices rose 0% last month and are up 8.5% over the past year. That compares to a 9.1% year-over-year reported in June. So, it is not that inflation is down to zero. And I would caution anybody, specifically on the political left, if you want to pat yourself on the back, this just means that it has not risen more in the last month. And that is because, A... There is a a lowering price of gasoline. And B, there are some seasonalities to this. Some experts, you know, make the point that that these months normally see a little bit of a reprieve. That is on top of the fact that the Fed has taken two gigantic rate increases over successive months. 75 base points. So. There are a few things that that immediately come to mind. Number one, if the Fed rate hikes had this much of an effect this quick, because there's some other good news of of, uh, various different organizations seeing a bit of a rosier picture post-Fed rate hike, the question then becomes, well, what the hell were you waiting for? Did we have to go through this particular situation before you did anything? But still. It was not a massive raise in inflation, and that, no matter what, is good news, you know, for humans. Gasoline prices fell 7.7% in July, and I think everybody has kind of seen that at the pump. Uh, I know at its worst out here in Texas, which historically has very low gas prices, the worst of it, it was edging closer to the high fours, maybe in some sort of urban centers, hitting into the in, in, into the five range. But now we are, I think I even saw somebody with, with a sub four price per gallon. So that is very, very good news. Other items falling included used cars and trucks, as well as airfares. Airfares were down 7.8%. Among the sectors that continue to rise, rents. The rents are too damn high. Renters faced a 0.7 rise in costs. The reason why I would caution optimism, especially politically, is that inflation is still incredibly high. The fact that it didn't get higher is good news. But we still have a little bit to wait to see whether or not this is a seasonal swoon and we will see continued rise in inflation over the next few months or this is the turning of a corner. And if that is the case, if we have a little bit more of a rosy outlook, a cheaper world, and that Yes, it might be until 2024 before we see uh, inflation get down to that 2% that the Fed wants to see. But that would be very good political news for the Democrats going into November. And by the way, 
we've seen some good news for the Democrats, up to and including President Joe Biden. From the depths of his approval ratings woes, which was 36%, he has very quietly clawed back to a 39.8% real clear politics average. That means he is knock, knock, knocking on the door of 40% approval. That's terrible, (laughs) but at least it's not 36%, right? 40% is an embattled president. Uh, 36% is like, look, if you get less popular, then then we need to get you the hell out of here, like immediately. But still, Democrats are looking good in the polls, at least on the generic ballot poll. Right now, the most recent average that I saw on the generic ballot poll was the Republicans up by like less than a percentage point. It does not seem, at least from this point right now, uh, uh, in August, like we are going to see a massive shellacking for Democrats. But again, a lot can happen between now and then, up to and including recession fears being more cemented, companies continuing to go into a more defensive position, jobs being lost. And, and you know, we have the, the bad part of having a very, very, very low unemployment rate is that there's kind of nowhere to go but up. And what you don't want is rising unemployment going in to the election. But still, we're past the primaries. We know everybody that uh, mostly, I mean, I guess we're, we're mostly past the primaries, but we mostly know who is going to be running in these races. We can begin to drill down on their campaign specifically. All that being said, I have made no bones about this. The number one thing that matters before anything else in American politics is the economy. It is only in a good economy that you have permission to talk about other things. If you ignore it, it will bite you in the ass. And this, I would say, is not bad news. I don't think it's good news. I think it's not bad news for the Democrats. What a week for the Department of Justice. They have charged an Iranian national with an alleged plot to assassinate former National Security Advisor John Bolton. The department charged Sharam Porsafi, or as he was known, Mehdi Razai, with use of interstate commerce facilities in the commission of a murder-for-hire plot providing and attempting to provide material support for a transnational murder. Persafi allegedly attempted to pay individuals in the United States $300,000 to murder Bolton in either Washington, D.C. or Maryland. Persafi told the source that it didn't matter how the murder was carried out, but that his group would require video confirmation of Bolton's death. The charging documents allege that Porsafi's expressed regret that the murder would not be conducted by the anniversary of Kusemi Soleimani, 
the Iranian general that was killed by the Trump administration in 2020. And indeed, it was pressure from his people that was pushing for that deadline. They wanted one for one. On March 10th, Porsafi allegedly told the source that he had a second assassination job to offer in the United States, but to keep Bolton in the back of your mind. So apparently even in the world of murdering people in the American government, uh, there is no shortage of work, right? Very low unemployment. This is one of those crazy situations where, you know, John Bolton is such a war hawk. He is somebody for whom, you know, it was it was the source of, of most of his his issues with Donald Trump. Uh, it is the source of, uh, you know, his consternation with the kind of rapidly. A, a disengaging core of the populist Republican Party. You know, the, the, the one of the underlooked things of Trump's rise in 2016 was that he ran against the Bush administration. And specifically, it was the fighting of foreign wars and how stupid are we to continue to uh, spend this money in conflicts abroad, blah, 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 blah. He couched it in a very America needs to look out for itself kind of way, which is harmonious with the idea of populism. But still, that was a position that didn't come out of the mouth of Republicans before that, or at least very rarely came out of the mouth of Republicans before that, who by and large were sticking up for the idea that they are the strong party. It is the Democrats that are weak. And you can have any millions of different reasons why you're weak, but you're weak. You don't want to fight. Republicans, oh, muscular men. Yeah, we're going to fight. We need to make sure that everybody knows that our military is the absolute best. Trump kind of walked that line. We want the military very strong. We never want to use it. We want every weapon at our disposal. We don't ever want to use it. And we certainly don't want to give it to somebody else in the world unless they are going to pay us top dollar for it. John Bolton made a career on both sides of the coin. He was very much that guy, the super strong foreign policy guy before Trump. And then largely because I think in the interregnum of the Obama administration, John Bolton was on TV a lot. I would not be shocked if he got hired in the in the White House solely because Donald Trump was like, well, I like what he says on television. He did not particularly like what he said when he was employed. And, you know, they had a bit of a, 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 a heated falling out. This revelation does come with some current context because it was the Obama State Department that put together the Iran deal and the Trump administration that pulled out of it. It is no secret that the Biden administration, which is mostly comprised of people from the Obama administration, would like to put that back together again. One of the major sticking points, according to reporting from Axios, is that the U.S. has been reluctant to remove the Islamic Revolutionary Guard from the list of known terrorists. It will do them no favors that this assassination plot seems 
as if it was carried out by the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. And even the White House Middle East coordinator, Brett McGurk, has recently acknowledged that it's highly unlikely the Iran deal will become again a reality based on some of the conversations that they have had. Oh, also, Russia is a major part of uh, <laughs> of those negotiations as well, which which is, you know, complicating considering, you know, gestures broadly to Eastern Europe. That John Bolton, huh? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I never want for anybody to be targeted for murder. What an amazing sentence that is. <laughs> But for somebody for whom, you know, like a, a, a the, the, the bread rolls being late to a table in a foreign country, John Bolton might suggest that we send in 40 Green Berets to take out the waitstaff. I don't know. It, 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 it feels on brand at the very least. We are in uncertain political times. And when we are in uncertain political times, news breaks fast. You need more context. And that's why I implore you to head to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That is our Patreon page. That is where you sign up. At the $3 level, you get two bonus episodes each and every week. Doesn't matter where I am. Doesn't matter if, if, if I'm not doing it. When I was on vacation, we had our guest host do it. And it all happens because of you. Because you guys need it. You guys deserve it. You guys have asked for it. You guys get it. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Including the latest breaking news that we do in the week. It happens on Thursdays. So I record this episode on Wednesdays. Comes out on Fridays. Has to be a little bit more evergreen. But if anything breaks Wednesday, it's on that Thursday show. And as you guys know, when we're getting into these campaigns, we're getting into these... Uh, this crazy situation with Trump, news breaks when it wants, not on my twice-a-week schedule. So head on over there, takepoliticsseriously.com right now. If you are a political history fan and you are not listening to C-SPAN's The Weekly, then you should. It is the hard work of Howard Mortman. He is the communications director for C-SPAN and the author of When Rabbis Bless Congress. He joins us now. Welcome to the show, Howard. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Justin. Really appreciate it, man. I don't know where I first came across your Twitter. It was the Twitter before the podcast, but it feels like your Twitter is is a required follow for anybody who is a political nerd, which is to say everybody involved in politics, uh, because you have the, uh, uh, the, 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 the ability and the gift to find every little contextual clip that is, you know, everybody's talking about the, the thing of the moment on Twitter. And there you are with the power of C-SPAN behind you, finding the exact clip of context from from everything that is that is happening. Uh, when did that become the thing that you wanted to to post on Twitter? And is that part of your role on C-SPAN or with C-SPAN rather? 
Yeah, thank you for all of that. And you said all the magic words. Let me just say, and I'll answer that. And actually, there's it's the convergence of two big things uh, to get gets to that point. But yes, uh, just to get mentioned that I do work for C-SPAN and I'm the communications director. Uh, part of that role is to display and to showcase and to exhibit the power of our video archives and the, the ability to go in and for anybody, there's no real magic sauce to the no secret sauce. Anybody can dive in at cspan.org and, and find and search and clip and share moments from political history going back to when nearly to when we began um, the late seventies, early eighties, when the video really starts in there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of it is, to demonstrate and to uh, show people, you don't, you know, like when you go on YouTube and you find yeah. a, a video, you're basically finding someone else's video. But when you're finding something in the video library of C-SPAN, the eureka moment is finding something for the first time. Um, yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's where I, I love doing that. Um, so that's, that's, that's one thing. Part of it, and Twitter is, is just frankly is just a, is an easy, great vehicle for for doing for getting video um, out there. Um, the other part of this, I am a true political junkie. Um, you know, I love uh, the politics, love the policy. Um, my my roots are I was working at the Hotline um, a Daily. Uh, political publication a um, long time ago and have mm -hmm. had a couple of different political media jobs. So, you know, it's just, it's it being a lifelong Washingtonian for better or for worse, <laughs> you, know, you just kind of, and probably for worse, but you know, just, it's, you just, it's in your blood and just a, a great curiosity about what is happening in Congress and in politics and presidential race and, you know, and policy and legislative matters and so on. Uh, just, I mean, I know anybody who is listening to this here in America that cares about politics uh, knows the origins of C-SPAN, but uh, uh, for anybody who might be from out of the country that isn't familiar with C-SPAN beyond the thing that shows all of the political machinations, can you give people just like uh, the 30-second the, the, the tour of how C-SPAN came to be and how it's funded? Totally. Thank you for that, for asking. The funding question actually is, is at the core. We are not the government. Uh, we cover the government. Uh, there's not a dime of government money, though, in C-SPAN. It's entirely privately funded by television providers, by the cable and satellite companies um, uh, who uh, you know share and uh, you know who who fund us. And the operation from the beginning. Um, so the government uh, is not involved. We cover the government, uh, but we are not them. They don't fund us and they don't tell us what to show. Um, completely privately, we are a nonprofit, and that means um, there's no ratings, and there's no ratings uh, because there's no advertising. There's no advertising because we're a nonprofit. So it's entirely run, uh, funded by the television providers, and uh, and run, uh, managed editorially by professional journalists. So everything we cover is uh, what we decide and where we decide to send cameras are made independent, uh, independent media judgments. Uh, the big thing for for us uh, is the coverage of Congress. And in 1979 is when Congress first went on TV. And basically, we flipped the switch and put that on, on C-SPAN. Um, C-SPAN 2 came along in 1986 uh, for coverage of the Senate. So C-SPAN, uh, when Congress is in session, gavel to gavel, uh, uninterrupted, uh, 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 no narrative coverage of the House, and same thing for the Senate on C-SPAN 2. 
And it's just, it's, it's one of those things that things have changed so much in our media landscape that the stuff that's remained the same and has kind of uh, uh, understood the true North is, is they stick out all the more C-SPAN, especially in politics being the biggest, right? If you look at the, the other institutions uh, for which have guided all of, you know, Washington and politics, they have changed radically. The post has changed radically. Uh, uh, the, the editorial pages of, of the things that, that matter in politics have changed a lot, but not C-SPAN. <laughs> C-SPAN you know, is, that is, is I, right there. Yeah. I love it. I, that, you know, that, that is such an insightful observation because, and, and here I'm going to actually share some, some secrets with you. It's mm. for better or for worse. You know, we, we, we look the, we basically look, Congress, the floor of Congress looks the same now, 2022, as it did in 1979. You know, they, uh, you know, they vote, they debate, you know, their quorum calls in the Senate. Um, so, you know, you look at the old footage and you're looking at, even though personalities have changed, the process remains you know, the same. And voting at debate, um, so so that you know, so right, we don't we don't change much. Uh, at least the coverage for us, the core of our coverage, our mission is to not shape the narrative, is to not enter our own editorial voice, to sit back, let you, the viewer, observe, and form your own opinions. Um, our staff, we don't express our own editorial thoughts on on what we're showing. Um, the mission is to basically put you in the room. Um, even though we don't have our own thoughts, though, you know, our coverage is full of opinions and full of attitudes, and that's the people we show and the, the callers we take. So that that is the mainstay there. Now, the challenge for for me as the communications director trying to get attention for, for C-SPAN is – that's also it's not really a curse, but it's also if we're not changing much, how do you get people to notice to notice yeah. what we're doing? And that's the whole relevancy thing there. So it's a great name. You know, people trust us uh, because we don't we're not telling you how to think. Uh, but at the same time, the challenge is on us to grow and become more technologically um, savvy adopting new tools um, so that we are getting in front of people who don't have an, like you, who have not been watching us for years and don't have an emotional bond for us. So that's kind of like the next big challenge is how do we get in front our, our unique form of coverage of politics and government? How do we get that in front of people who, uh, who aren't familiar with the story? I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like C-SPAN as a product probably is among its most relevant now, because we've had this rise in long form content in general, you know, we everybody panicked in, in the aughts that, you know, videos were getting shorter and shorter and shorter, which was like, you know, MTV hysteria in, in a new form with YouTube. And now when you look at like Twitch streams that can go hours and you look yeah. at podcasts that are unbound by any kind of content hole. I mean, I can just name two people there. Congressional Dish. By Jen Briney, which is uh, lives off C-SPAN because she watches every hearing and and every uh, 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 situation, and then reads the bills so she can explain them to her audience. But she needs the audio uh, that she gets from the video. And then another Twitch streamer, I'm really important, who will. I mean, I think during the Voterama, he was up streaming the entire time. But that is based on C-SPAN. C-SPAN is the backbone for all those things. 
You know, it's interesting. So if you if you take out all the people who make fun of us, or all the people who say, you know, we're boring, if you if you take out the people who don't understand what we're doing, and this isn't a knock, you know, we're not for everybody, um, you know, but but if you so once you get to, down to the core of of American citizens, American voters who care about how the government is spending their money, who want to watch the hearings and want to watch the politicians spend their taxpayers' money, and what are they doing in Washington? If you get to that core of people, that's where we are. That is our soft spot. That's the people we appeal to. And again, you know, it's, we, we are under no illusions that, that everybody flocks to us um, and, uh, you know, and everybody's desperate to know what we're showing. We do have moments like you mentioned this, you know, this past weekend when we're taping this of the Voterama, when there's intense coverage of four, about 400 amendments spending money. Now, that's yeah. an important thing for, you know, for a country, $22 trillion in debt. So that is that that's our niche. That's the people, the people who want to be connected and see what's happening. Um, and, uh, you know, are there to make to make fun of they may make fun of politicians, but don't make fun of us for showing them. And that's the key thing there. Well, and that's the thing is that somebody's got to do it, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and, 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 and I would much rather it be an organization that is run by journalists that is independent from the government. So they're not deciding when the cameras come on and off. Like it's it just, it is an invaluable resource. Uh, and, and anybody, you know, obviously look, yeah, C-SPAN has its, uh, you know, reputation for being dry because that's the brand. <laughs> the brand, the brand is there. And I will say this, uh, I have seen more, parody wraparounds for C-SPAN on Saturday Night Live sketches than I have for any other network. So uh, who's you know, hip it's now? It's funny. All the people who make fun of all the professional comedians and shows that make fun of us would be at a loss for content, would be the loss to show hearings and have footage uh, to know yeah. what's happening were not for us. So, you know, we, we don't cringe when we see Saturday Night Live uh, putting our logo and then making fun of what we're showing on there. We actually, you know, appreciate the attention, but no, you know, but people should also know that, as you say, this is a, uh, you know, they believe it or not, there was a time uh, just a few decades ago in America where you could not see your politicians vote uh, and yeah. spend your money. Um, so, it, you know, it's an important resource for that reason. So that brings me to The Weekly, uh, which is your podcast. I would encourage everybody, like I said at the top of the show, to listen to it because uh, for my money, it is just pure political nerd adrenaline that that is just delivered in a in a delightful package uh once every seven days uh when did uh you start doing the show and 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 what was the concept going into it sure boy that you were just exceptionally kind on that so but let me let me pause there and uh and then just say thank you for that and now I'll, I'll answer your question um so we have been c-span has been in the podcast podcast business for a while. Um, a lot of, through our C-SPAN radio or C-SPAN audio offerings, we have different podcasts that, you know, some are, uh, are, are um, the audio of a, of a, of a pro TV program, some podcasts, you know, like Q&A is uh, our Sunday night TV show uh, interview that's also as a podcast. Uh, Book Notes Plus, which Brian Lamb helms um, is, you know, is interviews. Um, so uh, we also have have with Daily Washington Today, which is like basically the news of Washington. And we have other you know, podcasts that pop up. So we've been doing this for a while. We have a suite of, I, I think, terrific podcasts. Um, what I do 
is uh, is is different than the others, and the uniqueness about what the weekly podcast, which uh, was around before um, I got involved uh, in September. Uh, it's a year. This September uh, marks one year of the weekly podcast um, as I've been involved. But it had a, uh, the name lived on uh, existed before me as more of an interview that Steve Scully mm. ran in every program. But my involvement started a year, uh, nearly a year ago, and the goal of this, the the, um, the ultimate business purpose of the weekly podcast is to, as we were talking about at the very beginning, uh, demonstrate some of the neat gems, the treasures you can find in our archives in the C-SPAN video library. Um, it is... Um, it is still within the C-SPAN mission of not expressing our own opinions, but but wanting to share the joy of how politics then resonates now, connecting what's happening in the news now with with nuggets from our coverage of years past. Um, you know, I narrate it, but it's a great team. I have to mention Shannon Rice, uh, our producer, Kate Mills, who runs C-SPAN Radio. We are all under the same mission of, you know, how do you tell the story using the audio um, and not not having to shape it, but kind of, you know, as a guidepost, leading people along. What I try to do in each episode is uh, connect what's happening today with what happened in the past, maybe play seven or eight, try to find seven or eight different short clips um, that connects, uh, you know, uh, politics of the past with now. Um, I will tell you this. It is a heck of a lot of fun. Um, it's one of these things where I'm, I can't believe they're paying me uh, to do this as part of my job. Um, and I say that as a political junkie and as someone who likes to write and, and all those things. Uh, I definitely don't have the voice for it. Um, uh, oh, I stop it. No, you have, you have the exact voice for it. It is – It is. Uh, you could not create it in a lab. You, you are just – you are that show. It is so perfect because because you're not you don't you don't have like a radio cadence. It, it is it is exactly what it needs to be, which is these you know unfiltered gems that have been that have been uh, uh, found. Like I, I always I feel like I'm going into like a, a small store where just political memories are are sold, and you're showing me around. It is amazing. Justin, I've got, it's killing me. I have to ask you, and I'm going to put you in the spot here. Uh, and I'm not asking this for ego or for praise, but is there anything in particular that you remember from one of the podcasts that I can kind of use that to illustrate or explain what we do? This is where, yeah, was there a particular oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. clip? Well, or, I mean, I think the one, well, one of the ones that, that uh, I mean, I think uh, you do a lot of anniversary stuff. So like, I think when yeah. Watergate happened, you had a series yeah. of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, just clips on, on Deep Throat, various people talking yeah. about who Deep Throat was, right? Like through the years, uh, yep. uh, G. Yep. Gordon Liddy's radio show. But the one that I, I think everybody should start with, just to give you a sense of it, uh, and and it, it just is, it, it's one of those things that I think is so smart because we spent a few weeks ago, uh, there was a little tempest in a teapot about the Biden administration fighting over what is a recession and what isn't a recession. Right. Yeah. And that was its yeah. own big politics, as you know, being in the in, in that business is hyperbolic. Uh, everybody wants to act like everything is the end of the world at all times. But what I love about the mission of the show and this episode in particular was that it just without commentary, just went back to the last time that the economy slowed down under George W. Bush and yeah. highlighted the very simple idea. How many yeah. words did they use? 
that wasn't recession before it got to recession. And and it it just connects the present to the past. I, I think a lot of politics, in my opinion, I'd be curious yours, a lot of the modern political audience tuned in around 2016. And and may, might not have the same kind of uh, of decades old interest in politics and knowledge of it, and that's why I think your 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 podcast is great because at the end of the day, there's not a lot of money in political media of which I try right. to do, and I, you do great to say, yeah, this happened before, it's fine, oh, like it's Chris not Justin, it's I, not I the end of the world. I'm going to make a cardinal mistake here and interrupt you because I'm chopping oh. a bit to say what to, to agree with you and to add some meat to your 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 argument here because I love everything you're saying. First of all, um, I always when I talk to journalism students, I tell them something you just alluded to. I say I tell them never use the word unprecedented. Um, yes, everything's happened before. Now, now circumstances may change, environments may change, but broad, broad concepts. And broad things have happened before, um, and it just kills me when you see. I'm not. I'm not saying young people, but people who just you know haven't taken the time to understand. And they say this is the first time this has happened. Chances are, if you're saying that, it has happened before. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, so the and the other thing is, you know, you also mentioned this, and I love this. You know, I'm I'm 55 years old, so the polit the um. The the uh, the coverage of C-SPAN that lives in our archives basically is me maturing and uh, <laughs> you know through my life it's like everything in there I've experienced you know Clinton Lewinsky you know uh, the uh, Persian Gulf War uh, going back to Watergate and that you know, we have the, that stuff in there so you know I'm not you know, it's not like trying to dig up Estes Kefauver uh, or uh, you know the or the, some of the older <laughs> Earl Warren clips which we don't have but yeah. you know when you come when you, we do have Watergate and deep throat coverage the Bush thank you for mentioning the Bush recession one because I I remember the great re, what ended up being the great recession of 2008 mm-hmm. every word was used um, I, I will attribute what this following comment to my or my colleague um, producer Shannon Wright that when a president calls something a rough patch uh, yep. which Bush did for the economics that you don't really want to hear a president saying that. So she, she told me that I thought it was really funny. So, you know, it just, every word, every euphemism, except for the word recession was used in 2008. And, you know, and Clinton comes along 2000 and says a recession is two years of, uh, I'm sorry, two quarters of uh, economic, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the GDP going the wrong way. That seems pretty flat out there. So, you know, it, everything cuts, you know, one way or the other on that one. And I think the the thing that I love the most about that episode is that without pointing, you know, without it being right on Front Street or it being the headline or or it ever being said, the reality of presidents don't want bad economic times during their uh, during their their tenure. They don't. They will do right. everything that they possibly can <laughs> to distance themselves from it. And and it, it it is that is the game of politics that the other side will stick it to the, the party in power. Like but but that is it, it's not crazy. It doesn't make the Biden administration a, a, a craven and Orwellian uh, uh, for how they handled it a few weeks ago. It doesn't make the George W. Bush administration yeah. uh, uh, craven and Orwellian. It is just a thing that they want to avoid. And they're hoping beyond hope that, you know, uh, there's a deus ex machina that stops it. That's it. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> nice, nicely done there. <laughs> 
Uh, let, yeah, let me, let no, me ask you a question uh, uh, yeah. in terms of how much audio you guys go through. Uh, are you able, and this is the audio nerd in me, but one of the things that I love the most about the show is that you can tell by just the microphone quality, generally what time period things are in. And I was, mm -hmm. I was curious, like, if, if, <laughs> have you gotten to the point where you could just blindly hit a clip and within five years before even a voice happens, guess when that uh, clip was was recorded? Oh, that's so funny. What a great question. I, huh. I will tell you on the video side of things. Yes, I can, you can, for some strange reason, the, um, the older video looks a little faded, but it shouldn't because it's all digital, but you can, but you know, you can, the benefit of looking at, it, you can see their ties, you know, or see fashion. Yeah. So, you know, things are all just like the visual component of that. It's a lot easier on the audio side. That's, I hadn't thought of that. I, I'm not as big as audiophile as you. I will ask, uh, Shannon, when I see her next, I'll say, "Is that does she uh, detect that?" Um, um, yes, there might be some slippage, some audio version of pixelization going on. Pixelation going on. I'm not sure. Let me let me ask the professional. Oh yeah, on that. no, I, I appreciate I, that. It is. It's one of those things where I'm like, "Oh, that's a '70s mic." Like, yeah, like that's like because 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 you can you can very much tell the gradual. Uh, uh, a betterment of it until the digital mics come in in the like you know nineties late nineties two thousands like uh, uh, right. but, but all 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 the crazy analog <laughs> mics are just are just amazing. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, so so DC is a place where especially in politics people tend to show up and and not leave until they leave this mortal coil. Uh, uh, is there an all star for you? both on your Twitter and on the weekly where there's just one person for whom you can always get a clip from. If you're just looking for, for somebody of like, Oh, I need uh, the, the gas, uh, you know, uh, gas tax hike stuff. Uh, I just need a random politician. I can go to blank. So here I'm going to, I am going to answer your question. I'm going to answer your yep. question in C-SPAN form by giving you a Republican example and giving you a Democratic example. Love it. And Love I'm going to, and I'm going to go for nothing bigger than both presidents um, for Biden, because President Biden, because he has been around so long um, and speaks and forever, has spoken so much. You basically can plug in any any term and up comes uh, uh, Biden material from 30 years ago. An example of that is when he. Um, um, when, when President Biden started calling um, a Putin uh, a thug and a war criminal, uh, well, he used the same language uh, for Slobodan Milosevic back in the late 1990s and had this elaborate story of going up to Milosevic uh, <laughs> in Bosnia and calling him a war criminal. Say, you know, he was he dressed well and he looked great. And I looked at him and I said, I said, Mr. Milosevic, you're a goddamn war criminal. Uh, so he, had, he does this story multiple times. He does the story in Iowa uh, on the campaign trail. And every single time the audience does, has no idea what he's talking about. They don't know who Milosevic is, but he, he you know, he keeps on saying, I flew into Belgrade. And I sat down and I looked into Milosevic's eyes and I said, oh, you're a goddamn war criminal. He, he does the story over and over. So yeah. that's an example of Biden. I can plug many concepts in and up comes something he has said. On the Republican side, again, to be fair for both sides, you can mm -hmm. basically do the same thing for Trump. Um, an example, we are oh, wow, we're taping this. Well, here's the, the um, uh, here's an example. We're taping this on a day when um, – 
uh, President Trump just pled the Fifth Amendment um, yeah. uh, um, in New York at his trial. So you plug in Fifth Amendment and Trump, and up comes 10 examples of him saying uh, it's a horrible thing to plead the Fifth Amendment. It shows that you're not innocent. Uh, only only, only be- mob bosses plead the Fifth. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, you know, what, that's what he's getting at. And he said that in 2016 on the campaign trail in context of Hillary Clinton and, her, and the servers and her people mm-hmm. pleading the Fifth to Congress. So, you know, that's and so I, those two examples just illustrate the longer politicians have been around, and even though Trump has not been on the scene as long as Biden, he sure has had a lot of opinions on things. Yeah. Um, but you can you can you know if if you have a concept in mind, and you say, well, this is in the news today, um, you know, like like the recession, plug in recession, Clinton, plug in Bush and recession, plug in, um, uh, you know, who said, uh, you know, make America great again? Well, President yeah. Clinton said make America great again when he announced for president in Little Rock in '92. Um, so, you know, a lot of these concepts have been around and used by others. You just have to have the curiosity to search them in, and boy, you're going to find some really fun things. You also have a new book, When Rabbis Bless Congress. How did that come up? Oh, gosh, thank you. Um, that is a uh, – this is a book um, that is a creation of uh, – is a result of my watching Congress for a living. Um, and uh, one, the first thing – Justin, what is the first thing – let me put you on the spot here and quiz you again. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing Congress does every time they come into, uh, into legislative session? I will, I will take the context clue that it's an invocation. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Bingo. Exactly. I know you're you're good at this. Um, now, the, the, uh, but yeah, but that, but that's that's the same thing with uh uh, uh you know the uh, I have not been to the floor of Congress, but uh, when a, any of the conventions happen, that's always the first Perfect. and last thing that happens every every uh, convention. You're so good at this. That's the first thing. The last thing to do at a convention is have a, a, a clergy member offer a prayer, uh, inaugurate yeah. presidential inaugurations, have prayers. Um, and in Congress, first thing they do in every session is pray. They even they pray even before they do the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, and I, just as a curio- as a curiosity, uh, I've always been intrigued by by that tradition of opening prayer. Looks like nothing else Congress does throughout the day. You know, there's no fighting, there's no debating, there's no lobbying, um, there's no voting. Uh, just it's a prayer to the Almighty. Um, and uh, just as intellectual intellectual exercise, I said, well, this is kind of interesting. Um, so every so often, and the prayer, by the way, is typically nine times out of ten offered by the official chaplain of the House uh, or in the Senate, the official chaplain of the Senate. Both are taxpayer paid positions with taxpayer paid staff. So uh, it's typically the House or Senate chaplain who are offering these prayers that open each session of Congress. Every so often, the uh, the chaplain isn't there for whatever reason, and a guest chaplain fills in, kind of a, you know, like a guest host, like Joan Rivers used to do for Johnny Carson, you know, just fill in with a, you know, with a guest spot. Yeah. Um, on even rarer occasions, that guest chaplain who gives the prayer is a rabbi. Uh, I'm Jewish. And so whenever a rabbi has given a prayer, I, I, I just perk up a little bit more and listen in. It just struck me at one point. I'd be curious to know how many have how many rabbis have prayed in Congress. Uh, who are they? What they what have they said? Um, and over the course of many, many years, I created a, a spread. This is real. I'm going to put my geek hat on here, but created a, <laughs> a, a, a spreadsheet of rabbis who have prayed in Congress. Um, you know, where they're from, who sponsor them, parties of the people who sponsor them, 
male or female? Do they wear yarmulkes? Uh, what uh, do they invoke? Uh, do they mention the, uh, a prophet? Do they mention a president? And out of that, uh, came up with a book that was fortunate to get a publisher who, who uh, after 100 or so pitches of it being uh, t- declined, um, and I can't blame them. I came along with the publisher and said, yeah, we understand, we'll do this. So the book is When Rabbis Bless Congress. It's the first ever uh, book on the history of prayer in Congress. Um, oh, wow. And it's told from the – yeah, no one's ever – people – the thing is, people argue about it, but no one's ever like taken the time to dive in and learn the history of it. Um, and there's, there's very little written about, about the history of prayer in Congress other than people loving it or hating it. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. Yeah, so it was neat to create your own alley of history there. Um, but you're very kind to mention that people can go on Amazon, and you're very kind to tell them tell Amazon Justin sent you and uh, please pick up uh, ten or twelve copies of In Rabbi's Blessed Congress: The Great American Story of Jewish Prayers on Capitol Hill. There we go. Head on over there right now, uh, and and look if you like me immediately perk up and smile when the name drops of Estes Kefauer, Slobodan Milosevic, and a spreadsheet of rabbis is mentioned as it was in this podcast by our guest, then I need you, podcast listeners, to head to the podcast clearinghouse of your choice and subscribe to the weekly. Can can you tell me what what the next episode is going to be or what, what, what you're working on? Yes. Um, so depending, I will tell you what's going to air now. I depending on the taping on, on the airing schedule of yours. Um, this will be Friday. This, this will be Friday when it comes out the twelfth. Okay, perfect. This is a brand new one. I want. Oh, this is all, oh, Justin. You're going to love this one. Should oh, I give it away? Should I tell you? Oh, please. Uh, yeah, I'll please. give it away. I'm begging okay, you. Here it goes. You're, this is perfect. This is perfect for Justin fans and Justin uh, listeners. Um, <laughs> this is the first of two episodes of uh, uh, MAGA, of uh, Make America Great Again. I mentioned Clinton oh, in 1992. Yeah. This is the one. This is where I have, I, have a, I have a collection of Democrats who said Make America Great Again running for president. And the oh, this is great. I love it. In the following week, we're doing the Republicans other than Trump who have said Make America Who've Great said Again. Make America yeah. Great again. Yeah. But the, the Democrat wow. one is, is really fun because you're going to hear, uh, well, I'll give away as a hint. If you listen to the podcast, say Justin sent me here to the podcast when you're yeah, listening. Please and do. You'll, you'll hear Clinton. You'll hear, um, you'll hear Ted Kennedy. Uh, you will hear, um, oh, God, I think Evan Bayh is in there. Um, why wouldn't he be? You hear, uh, Bob, I think Bob Kerry is in there, obviously. Um, uh, Bob Graham wanted to make America great again. Uh, yep. all your, all your favorite democratic presidential candidates have all, have all gone to MAGA. Uh, so that's in, I, that's in Friday's podcast. Yeah. Oh man. Perfect. Exactly. Exactly what exactly what the world needs is context, a context delivered brilliantly with humor and wit by Howard Borgman, the host of C-SPAN's The Weekly. Also, go get his book, When Rabbis Bless Congress. It has been an honor to speak with you, and I, I hope to have you back on the show sometime soon. You're the best, Justin. This is so much fun. Thank you, man. Thanks. <laughs> And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by the one, the only, Brett Stewart. You can follow Howard Mortman's Twitter account. And if you like The Weekly, if you've listened to The Weekly, you will love his Twitter account because it's basically a constant flow of 
of what is happening. If people are talking about it on Twitter, Howard is posting the old clips and footage from C-SPAN. It's the best. px3guest.com is where you can go to follow that. If you'd like to email the show, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. The show's Twitter is px3tweets. Our Twitch is px3live. You can get our newsletter, uh, uh, which is back, px3newsletter.com. Share the podcast with your friends and family, px3podcast.com. And you can support us with a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury. Our Venmo is justin-young-20, and our cash app is px3cash. You can send anything that you would like in the mail, including fiat currency. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you your bonus podcast. Uh, sorry, it gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news we miss on our free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets you name read at the end of this show like these fine folks in the Titanic. Ten dollar tier. MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yield, Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, V-Guard, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, mm, my pages are sticking, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Diana Shrill, Shrieks, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad, Richard, D-Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle-Aged Mike Who Loves, Frank Got Abducted, Utah, Jimmy Montana, The Gen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, if you would like your name right at the end of this program. Well, only one place to go. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That'll wrap it up for us this week. Hope everybody has a great weekend. The uh, uh, waning days of summer, you know, Labor Day's on the horizon. So wear white, I guess, this weekend. You're running out of time to do it, according to common fashion. I will be in Cheyenne, Wyoming, for the big Liz Cheney primary. Uh, So next Wednesday's episode will be an essay episode with some live sound from Wyoming. It's going to come out a little bit later probably than it would otherwise because I want to go to uh, uh you know the 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 winning candidates uh celebration. But uh yeah, fall of House Cheney question mark. That'll be there on Wednesday and then we're back back on our BS for Friday's episode. Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this is the only show that dares discuss three.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.